0: I got warned when I got hired here not to drink the water. And sure enough, the fr- and I only saw it this one day, but the day that I got hired here, I did see water coming out of the Taps Brown. So I don't drink the water here. I, won- I don't even want to water plants with the water here.
1: That is Izzy Waxman, the executive director of the Jewish charity called Mazon Canada. Recently, she took me on a tour of the offices which her charity has rented for many years on the top floor of the building at 788 Marley Avenue in Toronto. Now, the building is owned by the Toronto Zionist Council, has been since the building opened in the early 1960s. Waxman was originally really keen to work there because aside from the fact the rent was super cheap, the building's been home to many high-profile Canadian Zionist and Jewish organizations over the years, including Canadian Young Judea, Camp Shalom, Sarel Canada, Canadian Friends of Yad Sara, the Jewish Canadian Military Museum and the Royal Canadian Legion, and these days also a caterer and a synagogue. But by May, Waxman and her staff had been there seven years and had had enough of the neglect and what she calls disgusting and dangerous conditions. One of her employees was getting migraines, so they documented everything on video. And then a few weeks ago, Mazan moved to a better and safer premises elsewhere in the city. Now, other organizations like Sarel say they've stopped using the building. They only come in to drop off the rent checks. Canadian Young Judeo won't hold meetings of its youth council there anymore. The condition of this three-story Jewish hub has now become the subject of at least two ongoing lawsuits in Ontario courts. One lawsuit is suing the building's owners and also their five longtime Toronto directors: Paul Rotenberg, his sister Rena Greenwald, Gilbert Zemanski, and Sharon and Nachum Wolf. The second lawsuit has the Wolves suing the other directors. Court documents allege forging checks misappropriation of funds of at least $70,000, including taking money for personal trips to Israel and gas and Walmart bills and neglect of the building and also the summer camp it owns, Camp Shalom, plus abuse of employees and others and hiring unqualified family members. There are also claims that Rotenberg and his group are breaking the law by sending profits to their favorite right-wing charities in Israel, which the bylaws don't allow. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada Sounds Like for Monday, June the twenty-sixth, twenty twenty three. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Today's episode is the first in a series of stories we'll be running about the Troubles at 788 Marley and the wider issues about the Toronto Zionist Council's control of the other property it owns, an overnight camp, Camp Shalom in Gravenhurst, Ontario. So first, let's take a tour of the building with Mazon Canada's Izzy Waxman. We were there just hours before the moving trucks came in early May. We started on the third floor with peeling paint, cracked ceilings, missing tiles, plaster dust covering desks and boxes of documents, holes in the staircase walls. The men's bathroom has no working lights. There are hardly any lights in the women's bathroom. And during the pandemic, Waxman says there was human feces sitting in a broken bathroom toilet and no one fixed it for months. She also says there might be asbestos in the building. The elevator, well, its safety license expired at least three years ago. The side door... Let's rodents in and who knows what else. We saw rat holes in the basement and black something, maybe mold, staining the ceiling air vents in the main lobby. And this spring, the air conditioning conked out. So we
0: know. So I've been here since um, since 2016. Um, We found out. I found out about the asbestos about halfway through. And um, we also suspected mold, not because we can see it in our unit, but because we knew that the ceiling, the the roof where on the top floor of the building wasn't watertight. And so for a long time, there was very severe water damage. You can see the evidence on the ceiling where you can see all the paint is peeling off. And you can, so we we suspected there must be mold if there's that much like long-term sustained water damage. And you can see on the ground floor where out of the air vents, there's black streaks coming out of them. So part of the the decision to finally move is we have like our our most recent employee is like mold sensitive, I guess, and has been getting migraines. And we said, it's just a, We've known about this for a while, but it's a health and safety issue. And for me, having spent seven years in this building, like I actually don't know what it has done to my body to have this mold and asbestos exposure, <laughs> truly. But like this, if I can, you know, here's the tour of the water damage. Um, so when I start, they, they did a number of years ago, three years ago or so, four, they did um, redo the roof. So it stopped getting the serious level of water damage. But when I started working here, when it rained, it would drip, through the electrified exit sign. I have video of this. And it would puddle on the floor and then it would run down the elevator shaft. I mean, they sealed the the tar on the roof, but they didn't fix any of the surface damage. They just stopped new water from getting in. Oh my God.
1: And like, I don't actually- How do you have customers and clients come in here?
0: Like we don't, like, I mean, first of all, we just rarely do partly because it's such an unpleasant space, partly because, you know, COVID, it's been easy to do things remotely, whatever. But but whenever we do have people come in- It's, like, they come in and donors say to us, like, this place is filthy. Like, what are you doing? It's, there is a point where now people are just, they're looking, they're like, this place is disgusting. Why don't even want to be here to volunteer, you know? So in here. Oh, my God. So at one point, I came in here. yeah. And the reason that the paint is peeling on the insides of these skylights is because when I came in here at one point, I noticed, what is this? What is all this dust and this? Why is oh there a ceiling? My top? God. The skylight, this is six months, a year after they had redone it, just blew off. Like the skylights were just blowing away. And it had been raining indoors here for, I don't know, two weeks. Who knows? Here, let me show you the bathrooms. Cause that's, that's a, uh, that's juicy. The bathrooms are really nightmarish. This can't be
1: safe. Is there but light? this is as bright as it gets. And that's what? been that's like it? That... You can't turn the light on. Nope, and that has been true for years. How do you go into the urinal? It's pitch black in there. Yeah. Well, the urinals around this side, but the toilet. And yep. even the toilet, it's p- <laughs> And that's how you turn it on. <laughs> this is
0: this is it turned on. Yeah.
1: And it's also, dark in here. Your, your phone has
0: a light on. You're you're putting flash on. And it's
1: you can't. Where's the light switch?
0: I'm uh, not sure. I don't go in the men's room much. Oh, here
1: above the. Center. Ew. What kind of bathroom is this? <laughs> oh, this is supposed to be a shower. One is burnt out. Oh, maybe this. Yeah. So that's this one, and this one is supposed to be in the men's bathroom, in I the guess. stall. But it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. There is no light. And one. there's no window. And it's rusty and disgusting. The toilet is absolutely disgusting. Okay, let's see the women's bathroom. Can I see it? Oh, the women's bathroom.
0: Potentially is worse. Hopefully. So, the women's bathroom, actually not so
1: work Okay, hold on, one second. No, no, no. At least you can see yes. in here. Look at this window, broken glass. So, but let me tell you, so these- This is also broken.
0: For most of the last few years, at least one of these two stalls has been um, clogged and they just locked it and left it. At some point, somehow it got unlocked again, but not unclogged. And so this stall for a year was clogged. For most of that time, one of the, like someone who just came to use like a board meeting, whatever, who didn't know that it was clogged, um, used it and then it couldn't go and no one cleaned it and that it grew mold and just stayed there for, for most of a year in the stall. Human filthies with mold on it. This sink, I think, maybe it was this one, this one, I have photos, um, came off the wall, and um, I I told the building management, or sorry, the, actually, I didn't tell the building management right away, this is still, we were like in and out of the building lockdowns, um, and I when the building management found out he was upset with me that I didn't tell them immediately it had been like a week or so and I laughed at myself internally because I'm like now that he knows like how long is it going to take him to deal with it we had a tracker at one point we were tracking on a whiteboard how many weeks before building management would do it but we gave up it was it was like more than six months it was like eight months nine months that the sink was just hanging off the wall I have been like really sitting with like, I mean, my personal relationship with this building is like when I first came here and I got a job at this desk in this room. I was twenty four years old. I'm uh, thirty two. I'm turning thirty two next week. It's like seeing me through my entire professional development. Like I came here, I was like bright eyed, bushy tailed. What's gonna happen? My first like full time salary job, and like now I'm at such a different place in my life. And I'm, like, really sad to be leaving this building, honestly, even though it's obviously a nightmare, even though I'm, like, worried about my health in the building, even though I'm worried about my staff's health in the building. I just, like, I have been really emotional about feeling forced out of this place because it's been it's been important to me, and I know it's been important to so many other people. How many other people, like I said, have celebrated simchas, like, just in the next room down the hall? Like, this was a place with so much joy, and now... It's just so clear it's got a timeline on it, and it's become so irrelevant in Jewish community life that I don't think I'll hear about it when it goes. That's it for Do you all want the
1: this building to be condemned? do you think what do you think should happen to this building because you've tried for years to get stuff fixed? i like I, I
0: think the damage is likely beyond what is reparable or like reasonably reparable by like I, I don't know their books, but like what it would take to properly rehabilitate this building and make it a place where people. Like want to center community is like astronomical amounts of so money. I'm sure it's just there's so much damage. It's not surface damage. It's deep structural damage.
1: You, know? you felt unsafe. Why did you keep coming to work here? Why didn't you get on strike or refuse to work or whatever? What was the attraction?
0: I don't. I mean, the attraction is. The rent is so incomprehensibly low and has been for so long. And Mazun is a small grassroots fundraising organization that doesn't want to be spending. You know, I mean, we know what Toronto rent is like. Our rent here has been so affordable for so long. It just seemed like the, the bar to make us move was so high. Like, and you just kind of get used to things. You just accept things after a while. I don't know. Like... In addition to that, there's also, again, all this, I'm sure you heard about the Young Judea kids and the
1: rats and the thing in the basement. and. The Young Judea teens had a food drive collection before Passover, but rodents got into their food and it had to be thrown out.
0: Like suddenly, like the whole community looking at this building and going, what's going on in there? Like so many people talking about what's going on in there and asking Amazon, why are you still here? Suddenly it moved from oh, that's so nice that Mazun is like clearly spending our money on the right things by staying in this like, you know, unfussy building, whatever, to being like, Mazun, you really need to get out of there. This place is dangerous. So we're going, even though it kind of breaks my heart.
1: Now, in recent days, the wooden side door where the hole was has since been boarded up with a big piece of plywood. And there are two new metal doors installed on Another side of the building. But otherwise, nothing else has been substantially fixed since I was first there. Jesse Lash runs the bakery on the lower level. His business has passed City of Toronto's health inspections several times. And at first, he was reluctant to talk since the problems are mainly two floors up and in the basement. But he's been without air conditioning to cool his workspace and its ovens. And he's concerned it's taking too long to fix. (laughs) We also spoke to the small independent Orthodox synagogue that operates in the building. It's known as the Marley Shul. They've just raised eighteen thousand dollars to renovate their space and put in a new mechitza and a dance floor. Organizer Ronnie Perez says people really enjoy attending services here on Shabbat and special occasions.
2: I know, I know the building is is very old. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we just don't notice so much. We're we're, we're grateful we have a place to operate um so it hasn't you know we haven't really i I mean in terms of like mold and stuff i don't know like i i unfortunately i can't really speak to it on the ceiling when you come in
1: those big vents in the lobby they're all black right
2: so we don't so we we really don't touch the rest of the building is the truth we don't really touch the rest of the building Uh, we do have one room where we like run like a kids program um on shabbat for, for for parents that bring their kids but our space we kept up kept pretty well, right? Um, and now that there is, I, I, I guess there would be a bit of a difference between now between the main shell and the upstairs. Probably aesthetically, there's probably a, a, a much more noticeable difference. Uh, but we don't, you know, considering that none of us really go up there, we just kind of come in uh, and then leave. It doesn't, it doesn't really affect us.
1: Okay, and what about the actual space in terms of safety and health? Have you seen the rat droppings down there and uh
2: in terms of in terms of like rat droppings yeah well, we we i mean it's definitely been like that in the past but when we renovated we kind of patched any holes that were on the wall we patched up uh there was a space behind the iron behind this like white partition that was used to storage for many years and one of our plans was get anything out of there you know that that we absolutely don't need and clean it out, patch the wall. Um, So, I mean, that place is, is spotless now, thankfully.
1: I spoke to at least a dozen people to put this story together. None of the Toronto Zionist Council directors or their lawyers would give us interviews, but they did say in an email they deny all the accusations and call them, quote, rather salacious, unfounded, and unproven allegations, unquote. One of the plaintiffs behind one of the lawsuits also declined an interview on the advice of his lawyers, He's David Matlow. You know him as the CJN Treasure Trove columnist and a Herzl expert. His family has long ties to the Zionist movement and to the Toronto Zionist Council. Court documents show he sued together with a former Camp Shalom employee, Robert Feldman. Matlow tried to join the Zionist Council last year to bring a more progressive voice to the board, but his application was rejected. Now, it's not the first time the Toronto Zionist Council has gotten into trouble for how it allocates its money, In 1995, the Canada Revenue Agency revoked the status of their charitable arm known as the Zionist Organization of Canada Charitable Fund because it sent money to Jewish settlements in the West Bank. The directors have since created a new foundation with a similar name, but it's not clear how much money it has or where the money goes. Both lawsuits are asking the courts to order the Toronto Zionist Council directors kicked out, but also to order them to hire an auditor, disclose how much money they used for personal expenses, and pay the money back. As for the building, 788 Marley, the City of Toronto, has cited the place several times for violations of how garbage is picked up, a broken fence, and for long grass. Officials say anybody can call 311 and file a complaint, but no one has. However, the city will now send someone to inspect the interior of the building to see what the situation is.